Just a heads up, everyone. Though we look at things through an optimistic lens on this show, some of the topics may be triggering and some of the language may be adult. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast. I'm Jenna Edwards, and I've overcome some pretty serious adversity in my life. And I just recently realized it was all because of this mindset I call aggressive optimism. I knew I wasn't the only one living with this way of thinking, and as I always say, there's a million ways to do anything. So I wanted to do this podcast so I could have conversations with others and learn how they overcome adversity and achieve their big goals and dreams and create the life they want to live. So without further ado, let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Aggressive Optimism Podcast where we talk about overcoming the obstacles that get in the way of achieving your goals and creating a life you love living. I'm your host Jenna Edwards and today we're going to be talking with speaker and coach Scott Harvey. Scott's story is super cool you guys. (laughs) He began his career as an FBI trained hostage negotiator. Yeah, that's right. That's how we do here on the podcast. Um, He took that experience and combined it with his experience as a father and a husband and passion for communicating in order to create what he calls his, quote, retirement plan. We're going to talk to him a little bit more about that. His business called Speaking of Harvey, Inc., where he does assemblies for schools, coaches people on their businesses, and has his own podcast, which I was honored to be a guest on, and we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end of this one. Essentially, Scott loves to communicate, so this episode is sure to have some great little nuggets, so please help me in welcoming Mr. Scott Harvey. Hello, Scott. Hello. How are you, Jenna? I'm so good. I'm super excited. Me too. How is your day? Things are good here. I'm uh, three hours ahead of you, three hours into your future, and so uh, I can tell you what's happening if you want to know. Is the future bright? Uh, It's sunny and beautiful right here, right now. So I'm sure your day is going to be great as well. That is excellent. Speaking of sunny and bright, I have to tell you, I've been back to our favorite restaurant in Venice, California, like four (laughs) times since you came to visit. And every single time I'm, I giggle at the awe that was exuded of eating outside. (laughs) So you guys, Scott came to California and it was the most fun I've had in so long with a guest. Um, like a, a visitor to California it reminded me of why I love it here so much. We were sitting at this Italian Italian restaurant in Venice, California, with the most amazing garlic knots. Um, and all of a sudden, Scott looks at me and he goes, are we outside? And it was the best moment I've had in so long with a quote unquote tourist. So I appreciate that moment with you so much, Scott. It, it looked like it was inside until I realized that I could see the stars and I thought they had painted them on the ceiling. In Kentucky, we don't have a lot of outdoor dining venues because we have bugs and we have 90% humidity. Right. So, and yeah. do you get snow? We do get snow. So yeah, that's a problem as well. <laughs> I know. It was it was so awesome. So I appreciate you so much for being just an open, honest, wonderful human. And I want to talk about um, what you've been doing with your life. Like tell the audience what you mean by retirement plan. So that's, you know, that's the deal with me. I, when I was signed into police work at 23 years old, I knew at the time that I was working towards a 20 year retirement. 
And I knew that I would be retired at 43. And I knew that there was not going to be a time for me to just sit at home. You know, that <laughs> a public pension is a nice thing, but a public pension is not leading you to a life where you're sipping fruity drinks on the beach. So I knew at 43, I, I had my best years ahead of me and I needed a plan. And, and some people listening to this may say, well, you know, I have to work longer than 20 years. Maybe, maybe not. The nice thing about a 20-year retirement for me is it gave me a date on the calendar, a target to shoot for, to get my side gig, so to speak, lined up so that it could become my full-time gig. And That's so, amazing. I have a really quick question about sure. that. Did you know when you signed up that you were only going to do it for 20 years? Or was there a moment during your tenure that you decided, I'm going to retire in 20 years? I knew it was always a possibility at 20 years to retire, but there was not a forced retirement. Gotcha. Uh, if you work longer, you make a little bit longer in the retirement system, but not enough really to make it worthwhile for me to stay. Because at the time that I left, honestly, I was making more. My last year that I worked both jobs, I was making more as a speaker than I was as a police sergeant. Uh, That's now, so fascinating. And how did you like, okay, so I want the audience to know that moment where you were like, this is my retirement plan. This is the side gig. Like you knew coming into it that you were going to retire in 20 years, but did you know what you were going to do? I did not until about 2010. I retired in 2018. And in 2010, I kind of, I knew that I needed something and I knew, you know, that I was doing teaching dare in the schools. I was supervising school resource officers. I was involved very heavily with students in the schools. And so I was attending conferences every summer, the uh, international dare conference. And then the state dare conference were two conferences that I attended every summer. So I was sitting in classes, keynote presentations, all of this stuff for years and a friend of mine was organizing the State Dare Conference, and she had one of her breakout speakers uh, back out like a month before the event. And she kind of put out an email to everybody involved and said, hey, I need somebody to fill this spot. Does anybody know anybody who could? And I said, well, at the time in 2010, I was researching bullying because that was something we were dealing with a lot in the schools. And I want to make sure I understood you know, how to work with those students. And I apologize for my dog. We just had a delivery and uh, he has to yell at the delivery. Well, person. I mean, that's his job, right? Yeah. He's, he's not he's retired. Good. He's not, <laughs> he doesn't know that we're podcasting. So please forgive him. <laughs> that's but, life. <laughs> my friend, you know, my friend says, you know, I've got this conference, you know, and I said, I can talk about bullying in a breakout session because the nice thing about breakout sessions is there's generally four to five other sessions for people to choose from. So it's not like a big stage keynote. So at my first breakout session at this conference, I talked about bullying and it was full of principals and uh, school resource officers, superintendents, people like that. And I had people that came up to me after the presentation and said, hey, we would love for you to come and teach our teachers in our district what you just taught us. And I said, well, you'd probably have to cover my gas and my expenses. That kind of stuff is how this started. They said, we'd be happy to do that. And so I wrote up a memo to the chief saying, hey, I've been asked to do this off-duty job because all those have to be approved. And uh, I would like to do this. And he said, yeah, go ahead and do it. And that just kind of snowballed into uh, once I talked to the teachers, then they wanted me to talk to the students. So I put together a student presentation. It was an overflow of the D.A.R.E. lessons that I was already doing. It was just in a large group environment and a more specific topic. Uh, and so, you know, fast forward to today in the last nine years since I, since I started speaking part-time, uh, over 500 paid presentations to over 100,000 people, both students and adults in schools and conferences all over the country. 
That's amazing. And so um, what I really want to do on this podcast is talk about some of the obstacles that got in your way of getting those 500 presentations and starting that retirement plan for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. So can you name like the biggest challenge that you had when you were first starting, when you first decided that this was going to be the thing? Yeah, the biggest challenge that I had to overcome was just time. I mean, I had a full-time job. And so Mm. with that full-time job, I had to find a way to make this work and make sense. And thankfully, I'm kind of a morning person. I like to rise early. I like to get busy and get stuff done. And so I didn't have to be at the police department until 7.30 in the mornings. (laughs) Oh my gosh, my like creative crazy friends who don't Uh have until like four in the morning are listening. That's you're like, oh, I have all this time in the morning. And you I, have to at 7:30. <laughs> I am an odd bird. I, I I spent six years getting up at four o'clock in the morning, Monday through Friday, because this work mattered to me. And so Amazing. three three days a week I would go to the gym and then the other two days a week I would work for from home. Just me and my computer, a pot of coffee, and my noisy dog that you hear all day. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't noisy then, he was sleeping at four in the morning. But I I sat there and I worked and I booked gigs. I sent emails to people. I kept my calendar. I booked hotel and travel. And so the hard part was not the getting up because I'm kind of wired for that. The hard part was going to bed between nine and 10 each night because I have two kids at home, a wife that I like a lot. And and (laughs) sometimes, especially during the summer while my kids were out and my wife's a teacher, I was the first one in bed because I knew I needed at least six hours sleep. If I got to bed by 10, I could still get up at four and function the next day. So kissing them good night, you know, kissing them good night, leaving that time and trading that time for a season that I knew this was not a forever plan. This was a season. And so during that season, right. It's like, we oftentimes think this has stopped me so many times where I I think, Oh, if I create this, this is going to be my life forever. When the reality is we can always shift it later if we want to. Um, Yes. And there's no harm in trying, right? Yeah. And I knew I had to get this ship closer to the dock before I stepped off into my retirement. And so that was the plan. It was just a season. And now I'm in a season where every morning I get to take my 14-year-old to school. She rides with me to school in the morning and we have that time. I'm assistant coach on, on the high school volleyball team. I get to coach teenage girls, which is the deep water of coaching, if you will, uh, because there's a lot of there's a lot of mental things to work through. And I tell the team, which I love working with these high school girls, I speak fluent girl. I have two daughters <laughs> in my life. I, I get it. I, you know, I cry at every sad movie. That's just me and that's how I'm wired. And so I love having the time now to work around the things that don't make any money, but are super important. Oh, I love that. It's so it really is important for the audience to hear that if they're just starting out and they're wanting to dive into something that they um, like a retirement plan or a second job or their dream, quite frankly, you know, you've got to figure out how to make it work for you in that moment. And I think something that I really struggle with, and I don't know if you are the same is like you hear all of these stories about this is how I did it. And oftentimes you think like there's only one way, but the reality is like you have to pick and choose and figure out, like there's going to be a season of figuring out what works for you. 
Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I would tell people, I love social media. That's a lot of what I talk to students about. I spend way too much time on social media, <laughs> especially in the beginning. I would be real careful who you follow online. Mm. Uh, jo John Acuff is, is a friend of mine. He's a speaker and a writer. And he has a quote that says, you know, don't compare your, your beginning to someone else's middle or end. Mm, we want so to compare important. our behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel. And when we're following speakers and coaches and these people who have been doing it for years, we're going to feel like we're messing up and we're going to feel inadequate. It's okay to be inspired by those people, but don't compare what you're doing to what they're doing because you're not doing their thing. You're doing your thing and, and your thing has never been done before. So there's Absolutely. really no wrong way to do it. It's your way. Absolutely. I love that. And that's one of my favorite quotes, the highlights real one. Yes. Because um, I always say behind the scenes because I'm yep. in film and TV, right? It's mm -hmm. like we all the time compare ourselves to the finished product and we have no idea the blood, sweat and tears that go into making it. And that's why I love this podcast because that's what I want to highlight. So what are some other challenges that you um, faced and overcame? So, you know, one of the things that when you start working a side gig, um, I would love to say that all of your friends and coworkers are going to support this 100%, but they're just not. Uh, there is a lot of uh, infighting. There is a lot of, especially in law enforcement where I came from, there is a lot of what, what, I, what we call pack mentality, where if someone separates themselves from the pack, even if it's for good things, then the other pack animals will kind of nip at their heels until they fall back in line. So while I'm out growing this side gig from four in the morning till 7.30 and taking vacation time to travel the country and speak, you know, I was scheduling posts when I got up in the morning to hit throughout the day, blog posts, things like that. And so <clears throat> somebody that I worked with didn't like the fact that I was becoming successful at something else. And so they actually wrote an unsigned letter to our mayor, our city commissioners, the local newspaper, everybody saying that, you know, Sergeant Harvey is working on police time to grow his business. He is sitting at his computer in his office and he is posting all this work stuff. And none of it was true. Wow. And thankfully, I was also the public information officer for our police department. So I dealt <laughs> with the media every day and I dealt with the politicians every day. And they all told me, we know this is not true. It's just sad this got released. Now, it really made my wife mad because she said, that's your good name that someone is trying to, to tarnish. And I said, you know what? It's unsigned. It's a cowardly act. It bothered me. I still have a copy of that letter, by the way. It's kind of motivation now. You know, nice. how do you, as Toby Keith would say, how do you like me now? <laughs> and they didn't obviously understand technology that you can schedule posts, you can set right. the hit at popular times. And that's what I was doing. But I, I get it. You know, it's, when I would ask people I hired in with, you know, five years till retirement, I said, like, what's your plan? They're like, oh, I'll, I'll probably just stay here. And I'm like, that, that's fine if that's your deal, if that's what you want. Right. What do you want to do. That's what I tell people all the time. What do you want to do? Oh, and me too, right? Find a way to start doing that on the side. Yes. And it may never grow to a full-time gig, but it may just be a super fun hobby that pays for itself or pays a little bit to your household income. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's actually, so this podcast is my fourth podcast mm -hmm. that I've ever done. Um, meaning I started and, and hosted for a good chunk of time. And I had always done, I'd done the other ones 
for various reasons. This is the first one that I am kind of doing for me because, I mean, I'm hopeful that it'll, it'll spread and be as successful as I want it to be because my dream is to have a talk show at Warner Brothers. But I realized a couple of weeks ago, I need these conversations in my life on a regular basis for me. Yeah. for my soul, you know, for me yeah. to feel like motivated and excited about life. I have to have these conversations. So I was like, why not have them on a podcast and share them and hopefully they help other people. But it is what you just said. What do you want to do? Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's so yeah. important. And from a product standpoint, maybe you're thinking of designing a physical product. What do you need? What do you need? Because if you need it, probably somebody else needs it too. And it doesn't exist in the marketplace. So let's talk about putting that in action and let's do that. For me, it it was the knowledge that I gained in 20 years of law enforcement. It was the ability to work with lots of different type of people, the negotiation stuff, the public information officer. I built a career around communication. So it made sense to me that that would be my second career because I love doing it. Now, I don't love the travel and the, you know, every hotel looks the same. Every conference room looks the same. Every airplane looks the same. But at the same time, that's what I need to do to get on the stage for an hour at a time and have the absolute time of my life. So whatever you love doing, there are parts of it you're not going to love doing. Right. But you have to put in the work to get to the things you love to do. And that's what I love doing with people today that I coach is just say, you know, what, what do we want to do? You know, this is what we're doing right now to pay the bills. If in a perfect world, 10 years from now, what would we be doing? What is the very next step we can do today to bring that ship closer to the dock? Yeah, I think it's so important too, because I feel like in this day and age, we're living longer, we're doing, you know, all sorts of things like technology makes life so interesting. And I read a statistic once, I can't remember what the exact number was, but we no longer are a world of one job, like, or one career. We have multiple careers in our lifetime now. And so I I work in the creative field, right? And Mm -hmm. I swear to you, there's not a single person I talk to who has ever mentioned the word retirement in this industry because we're all doing the thing that we love to do. Mm -hmm. And again, it doesn't mean that every single day is, is magical and that every task we have to do to make the magic happen on screen is, is fun. But for the most part, it's really fun. And none of us can think of like, a life without it. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, <clears throat> not to burst everybody's bubble about being a full-time entrepreneur like I am now is one of the challenges of that when it came from a side gig to my full-time job is I spent a lot of time losing focus because it was very easy to focus for two and a half hours each day, each morning mm-hmm. to get as much done as I could in that two and a half hours. And now that I have all day, the sense of urgency is the thing that I struggle with. Uh, and so oh, there, there I are hear some you. downsides. There are some <laughs> downsides to working for yourself. Uh, I mean, besides the noisy dog, uh, <laughs> I, I, he's my only coworker throughout the day. And so it's me and him in the office in my house, which sounds awesome until that's your everyday existence. So right. I wouldn't trade it, but I also want to tell people there's, there are downsides to being the full-time entrepreneur that everybody seems to be striving for. So the side gig makes a ton of sense for a lot of different reasons for a lot of different people. I love that. So how do you overcome that daily grind and the, all of the things that you just said that were downfalls to being a solopreneur? 
So I mix things up. Um, about once a week, I get to a coffee shop somewhere and I sit in a coffee shop because I don't know why. I, I'm an extrovert. I guess that's why mm-hmm. I draw my energy from people. And so when I'm in a coffee shop, I get more done there than I do in my quiet office in my house. I'm same, same, and same, same. So, so you do that and you book things like this. You do book podcast interviews. I've got a podcast myself that, that allows me something else to do. And, and because I have some ADD principles about me, I'm not diagnosed or anything. And I don't want to make fun of people who are, but I like different things throughout the day. So I purposefully schedule different things throughout the day so that I'm not pounding four hours on one thing. I just can't do that. Uh, but I can work an hour today on this and then work an hour tomorrow on it and do something else fun today. I love it. Oh, I love it so much. So anybody who's listening who wants to pursue a side gig, what would be the one piece of advice you would give them? You know, I, <clears throat> I think we try to put things in the way of that happening. Like we say, well, I would have to incorporate or I would have to mm. uh, get a lawyer. I'd have to get a CPA. You don't have to, not in the beginning. I mean, solopreneur stuff is pretty easy to do uh, under your social security number for a little bit of time, you know, just as a, a, as a DBA. And so you don't even have to have a business necessarily. You can just start working on the thing you want to do, whether that's writing, whether that's uh, lawn mowing, whatever it is you want to do. So <clears throat> don't put obstacles in your way. Uh, Joe Fingerhut, friend of ours, says, you know, yes. instead of asking, you know, why can't I ask, how can I? You know, I, I love that. How can I do this? How can I take one more step today towards what I really want to be doing? And the cool thing is when it's a side gig, when you're working on that thing you love, it also energizes you for the daily job, which you may not absolutely love. But when, you, when I went to work in the mornings at 7.30, I had already done two and a half hours worth of work and I felt super productive. And it was easy to just hit the ground running at the police department and get the stuff done there that I needed to get done as well. I love that. And I'm super curious because I, FBI, you know, hostage negotiation. Uh-huh. What is the biggest thing that you took away from that career and implemented into speaking and coaching? So as a negotiator, you know, people think that we choose negotiators based on their ability to talk. And that is an aspect of the job. But the biggest part of any negotiator is the ability to listen. And so when I have a client that contacts me that says, we would love to have you come and speak at our school, at our conference, whatever, I'm on the phone with them. And I'm asking them questions and a local client here, a business that I'm doing a presentation for in January, I went to their shop and I met with the CEO and I said, tell me what you guys are doing. Tell me about the training you're doing. Tell me about your company. And I want to make sure that I'm listening to everything they're telling me so that my presentation, while 80% canned, is also 20% specific to whoever I'm speaking to. And so I want to have that 20% be very real to them and fulfill the, the felt needs that they have. Because if I just go in and regurgitate what I've done hundreds of times, that's not a good service to my client. Mm-hmm. My client needs to feel like I heard them and I responded appropriately to their needs and their desires. So as a negotiator, I go in and just with both ears open and the mouth shut. And I'm asking open-ended questions and I'm just listening. I love that. And for those listening who have heard or produced their own events, like my immediate reaction to that is, how do you not take up too much of their time? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. You schedule it. You schedule it like anything else and you've stayed, you know, 
if it's a phone call, we can be done in 30 minutes. You know, let's schedule a 30 minute call. We may not use all of it. And then I make sure that I'm respectful of their time. And I make sure if they say, I've got 15 minutes, perfect. Then we'll take 15 minutes. You just schedule it. If you can do a Zoom call, great, because then you're face to face with them uh, and you're getting all of the nonverbals that you don't necessarily get over the phone because most of our communication is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. And so you're picking up on those things as well. But I take whatever time they can give me. If it's 15 minutes, it's 15 minutes. This local company, we actually met for an hour because that's, that's awesome. what the time block she had. That is fantastic. And what is happening for you in the future? Like what are your dreams and goals and aspirations moving forward? Yeah, my, my business has always been based around speaking. I've added the coaching and the podcasting lately because I have the time for that. And the coaching allows me to speak on an individual basis. But I'm also, as a negotiator, I'm very much listening to my coaching clients. And I'm taking notes and I'm writing things down. And so the future for me involves a lot of speaking, you know, some mastermind facilitation and some coaching, but probably 90% speaking because that's where I feel like I am the most alive and the most useful and living in my purpose. Oh, I love that so much. Uh, everyone who's, I mean, we're out of time. Can you believe it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not surprised, Jenna. <laughs> I, I love talking to you so much. <laughs> uh, so everyone who is listening, you've been listening to the amazing Scott Harvey, and I am going to post where you can be in touch with him on the website, which is aggressiveoptimism.com. So check that out for sure. Scott is one of my favorite humans. And you're going to hear that a lot, but I really feel very blessed to have attracted this human into my life. Um, And I'm going to post our podcast interview on your podcast, which is the Speaking of Harvey podcast, because I think if anybody listening wants to learn about public speaking and how you might create a career around public speaking, this podcast is the jam. It's just awesome. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for giving us your time and your wisdom. And um, I'm so grateful that you took your hostage negotiating skills uh, and moved (laughs) them into the public speaking arena. And I will, yeah, I just look forward to seeing everything that you're doing. So much fun. Everybody who's been listening, thank you so much for giving us your time and your attention. Uh, Again, the website is aggressiveoptimism.com and we will talk at you tomorrow. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. I really hope you'll join me next time. The Aggressive Optimism podcast is made possible through affiliate programs. So if you'd like to support the podcast and get some really great products for yourself, head on over to the offerings page at aggressiveoptimism.com. And if you want a little more aggressive optimism in your life, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Jenna Edwards Life. I'll see you over there. Until then, have a good one.